Amen. Thank you, worship team. And thank you for filling in on short notice. Would you give these guys another hand? It is not easy to pull off a service uh, with so little time to prepare. And I'm just, I thank God for you guys. And even you guys in the back, uh, appreciate you allowing us to uh, worship our great God together in community. Uh, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. We are in the middle, actually, we're near the tail end of a series called In Essentials Unity. And we have been going through examining what are those key essential pieces of what we believe that we put in our box of essentials. And uh, we've been going through the gamut uh, from what we believe about God to what we believe about ourselves to what we uh, believe about the church. And today, uh, we are talking about what it means to be committed, what it means to be committed to the church. Have you ever committed yourself? Commitment can uh, look a few different ways. It, it might mean that you have made a decision that has locked you in, that has set you on a course to where it, it is now very, very difficult to unmake that decision. You're locked in. And so when you step out onto that battlefield and the paintball ref blows the whistle, it's do or die. You are committed. And here's a picture of uh, my last senior pastor. Uh, he was completely wiped out. We destroyed him. Uh, you're, you're committed. Sometimes you're locked in. When you walk out onto that stage and you're going to show your talent off to all you know, the hundreds of people that are there in that audience, you are committed. You have to deliver something, right? You're in front of all those people. you got to go all the way. Whether or not you believe in yourself at that point is irrelevant. You're there. You're committed. When you leap off the high dive, you are committed, the forces of gravity have now taken over, and you can do nothing about it. All you can do is try to figure out how you are going to land, because if you landed the wrong way, oh, that can really, really hurt. You're committed when you ask that person to prom. Have you experienced this? You hold that question mark out there, and you are either going to sink or you are going to swim, right? And you are very vulnerable in that point. At that moment, you're committed. You're committed when you buckle yourself into that airplane. And the, those, those cabin doors close and those engines wind up and you're going someplace. It's not up to you anymore. Uh, you're, you're, you're going. There's no turning back. Or when you click yourself into that harness of that super awesome new roller coaster... You're in there. Have you ever felt, have you ever done that? I have done that many, many times in youth ministry, and I go, I am too old for this. What am I doing here? There's a certain kind of risk involved to making that kind of commitment, right? A certain element to it that you just can't take back. You can't turn around. You can't undo what you have done. But there's another side of commitment, right? A side of commitment where you have to be dedicated to follow through. It, it involves intentional, ongoing dedication. It's, it's not that you can't get out of it. It's that you have to be determined not to. No matter what it costs, no matter what it takes, you're going to follow through on what you have committed to. And so when you join that sports team, you're committed your teammates are counting on you. You can't just say, you know what, guys, I'm going to go grab some Gatorade. I'm just going to sit this one out. I'll be on the sidelines. I'll cheer you on, but go team. Let's win. 
No, you're, you're letting the team down. Your, your commitment was to be out there with them. And you don't just choose to, to run off and do whatever. Now you're part of that team. When you register for a class, you need to be committed, don't you? You, you set yourself down in that class, and the only way that you're going to get that credential or get that diploma is to be committed to that class. You've got to be there. You've got to go through with it. Or what about when you're learning an instrument? How many of us have started learning an instrument at one point in our lives? How many of us ha have instruments that we cannot play that we started learning years ago? Yeah, me too. You got to be committed day in, day out. You got to work on it. Unless you're some, one of those weird prodigies out there. I'm not one of those guys. When you join a club or when you're in a choir, uh, you got to be committed. Your, your choir members are depending on you. Here's an illustration that may or may not resonate. What about when you say I do? You're committing, aren't you? In front of all those people, in front of the one that matters, right there up on that stage, that's big time, right? That's where you say, baby, here we go. We're doing this. It may not be easy. In fact, I might get really, really ugly. I'm not much to look at right now, but, but here's what I got, and I'm giving it to you, and, and, and we're going for it, right? I'm committing myself to you. I'm all in. I want to be all consumed. I'm choosing from this day forward whatever sacrifice is necessary to make this thing work. I am committing that to you. There may be times when that commitment is not easy, but I pray, I hope and pray that the payoff will be so worth it. That's true when it comes to marriage. That's true when it comes to other things, so many other things in life. It's especially true when it comes to church. Today, I want to take a few moments to give you a picture of what it looks like to be committed to a church. And some of you in here might be younger, and you might be saying to yourself, well, you know, it's really not up to me, Jared, whether or not I'm committed to church. I have to be here one way or another. My parents make me come here. Yeah, okay. But there will come a day when the decision whether or not to be a part of a church will be your decision. And what you, how you think about church now will impact what you do with church later on. So pay attention to this. What should your commitment to church look like? We've said this in the past that God doesn't want you to go to church. If you have placed your trust in Christ, he has made you a part of church. What does it look like to be a part of it? There are four things. First is this. When you're committed to church, you join it. Think about this. When you're passionate about something, when, you, when you're excited about something, when you're very enthusiastic about something, you want to sign up, don't you? You spend the money. You buy the tickets. You put your name on the list. All those kids that wanted to go to Magic Mountain with us back in my youth ministry days, they would sign up. But we didn't ask them to just sign up. We asked them, you know, put your money where your mouth is. We need to know, are you committed to going? Are you joining us for sure? Should we reserve a space for you on the bus? Do we have your tickets? If church is important to you, you put your name on the list and you join it. Why is it so important for you to join? It's important for you to join, one of the reasons, be so that your pastors and other church members know that you're part of the team. 
so that they know that you're here. Back in the day, uh, I'm going to go back to my youth ministry today several times this morning. Back in the day, we'd play games at the beginning of youth group, and uh, we'd play these ultimate Frisbee-type games. You know, you you throw a ball back and forth. There are two teams going against each other. Are you familiar with this kind of game, this kind of sport? Uh, And uh, at one point, we were were switching it out, and instead of a Frisbee, we were throwing bananas. And it got very, very met. At first, it was, you know, real fun. You know, you're tossing a banana, but then it would get very, very soft. And sometimes the banana would just explode as you grabbed it. It was a wonderful thing. Uh, but I'd be out there, and I'd be playing with the kids. And I was younger back then, uh, more, uh, more brown hair. And uh, I would be there, and I'd be playing with the kids and, and fighting for one team, and we'd have so much fun. But then at one point, I realized, you know, we could have even more fun here. We could have even more fun if when I get the banana, all of a sudden, I turn around and start playing for the other team. Oh, yeah, that could be fun. And so I did. And so everyone was like, what are you doing? Jared, how can you do that? I said, I'm the youth pastor. I'm the boss here. I'm the ref. I make the rules. And so I was doing that. It was a blast for me. I was having so much fun until those really smart junior hires realized hey, we shouldn't throw the ball to this guy. <laughs> Don't give him the banana. And then it was over very, very quickly. I said, guys, fun's over. We're done here. No, 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 no. You, 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 that's the same kind of thing that can happen at church. If you're, if you're at church one week and then you're not at church the next, it can be very, very confusing. You're at the beach now. You're camping every other weekend. Or you're hanging out with this church over here and this church over here and that church over there. You're here. You're there. No one really knows what's going on. What happened to that guy? Was he a part of us or not? She was here. I think she was here one week, but then she was gone for three weeks. I think I saw her last month. Well, was it three months? I can't even tell anymore. What's going on? I don't know. When you commit yourself to church, you got to join it. You make it known to everyone, I'm here with you people. I'm not committed to this building. I'm committed to you, the people. And I want you to know that I'm part of you. When I, when I look at a person like, I'm going to put her on the spot right now. When I look at a person like Rebecca over here, you know, I, yes, she belongs here that's what that's what we know becca belongs here and so we we care about her and 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 we know that she's an important part of this thing and if she doesn't show up on a sunday then 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 we got to be wondering what's going on with becca we got to care for her we got to ask her she's not here one week she's not here two weeks oh my goodness becca matters it's just an important part of the team. She's an important part of this body, important part of this family. Becca, we're family, right? You and me. You and me. We're family, yeah? And Becca's going, <laughs> after this, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, Becca, you are part of this family, and we are so thankful for that, and we know that about you, and that's the wonderful, wonderful thing. Back in, back in my youth ministry days, there was this, these, these parents that came to me. This was right before their student was going to graduate. And they came to me, and I thought they were going to say, hey, you know, can you, we're going to throw a, a party or something. Can you pray for our student? Can you be there? That, that typically happened. But these parents, they came to me, and they said, Jared, we got to let you know. we got to level with you. We are so disappointed in you. In fact, you are the worst youth pastor that our son or daughter could have ever had. And I went, what are you doing? <laughs> 
it about? I mean, hey, I, I don't get paid very much here. You know, I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm juggling different things here. You know, what's going on? And they said, you didn't spend any time with our kid. You, you, never, you never took them to lunch. You never, you see you hanging out with them. You didn't hang out with our kid. And you know what I was thinking at that moment? I was thinking, I didn't know your kid was part of our youth group. I didn't know. Because he was here one Wednesday night, and then he was there. And then he was at the beach, and then he was at this party, and then he joined that sports team, and he was gone every single night. I didn't know that I was supposed to care for him. I thought he didn't want to have anything to do with me or our youth group. If you haven't made it clear that you're part of a church... Not only can you be sending confusing messages to the, the people, you could be missing out on something that's, that's really, really important to being a part of a church. Did you know that God designed pastors and elders to care for people inside a church? The Bible calls them shepherds. And you could be missing out on one of the, the great opportunities that you have to be watched over and cared for by a shepherd. The writer of Hebrews says this, obey your leaders and submit to them. And, and that's not the part I'm trying to emphasize here. I'm not saying go obey me or anything like that. But this part, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. That's a sobering statement for anyone who calls themselves a pastor or an elder, as those who will have to give an account. The writer of Hebrews is saying, your pastors, yeah, they keep watch over your souls. They're to be thinking about what's going on in her life, what's going on in his life. They're to, they're to be asking themselves, is, is, does that person... Get it? Do they, do they understand this whole Jesus thing? Do they understand the gospel? Are they really saved? Can I say with any confidence that this person is actually going to be there with us in eternity in heaven together? Are there things that that person might benefit from learning? Your pastors, your elders, they are to be watching over your souls. And they're going to have to give an account for it one day. There's going to come a day when I and so many others will stand before the Lord and will be asked, did, did you mislead so-and-so into thinking that they should be here with us right now when clearly they're not? Did you mislead them? And that's what I'll say. Wait a second. He was never here. <laughs> I know. Not, not accountable for that. And do you see the connection? If you're committing yourself to a church and let the people know that you have joined, you've got a pastor and you've got elders and you've got people here to love you, to hold you accountable, to care for you, to encourage you, to help you, give you advice, but also to, to serve to help give you some evidence, some confirmation that you're even believing the right things to begin with. Don't leave everyone wondering whether or not you're on the team. If you're committed to a church, join it. Second thing, when you're committed to a church, you make it a priority. 
building your life around church, it means pushing other things in second and third place. That could be entertainment, it could be sports, it could be hanging out with friends, sleeping in. Those rain days where, you know, it's like once in a blue moon we get rain and you're like, oh, it'd be so nice to stay home. Oh, hot cocoa, coffee, by the fire. Parties. What about school? What about family? If you're committed to a church, you realize that God designed you to be part of God's people. Remember what Jesus said when, when he was told, he was in a crowd and he's teaching, and, and someone came up to him and said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers, they're, they're outside, they're waiting for you. And what did Jesus do? He said, all right, all you people go away, I got my family here, we're going to hang out. No. He said, shockingly, he said, who are my mother and brothers? He wasn't having a senior moment at that point. <laughs> Who are my mother and brothers? And he said, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. In other words, and I don't think we take this seriously enough, the bond that ties the family of God together is stronger and more important than even blood and genetic code that helps us make up our biological families. The church, the people of God, it needs to take first place. How much do you value each other? How much do we value each other here? Is this our first family? Other things need to get pushed back. Someone might say, well, what about a job? Where, where I decide to live? Where I decide to go to school? Do those get pushed back as well? And those are things that I think we should think very, very long and hard about. Because if God has placed you in a church where you have close relationships and where other Christians are there and they are investing in you, they're pouring into you, they're encouraging you, they're teaching you, they're holding you accountable, they're helping you grow in your relationship with God, that is very, very important. The condition of our soul is more important than the condition of of our wallet or the condition of our resume or the condition of our quality of life or environment because that's the only thing that's going on into eternity is it it's the only thing that's going to matter at the end jobs they last what 30 years maybe these days they're they're shorter and shorter Yes, so very often students who graduate from high school, they don't even give a, they don't give a flying rip. They don't get a second thought to whether or not they're going to leave their church. It's all about adventure. It's all about scholarships. It's all about the quality of education, the prestige of the institution that they're going to be graduating from. It's about their wants. It's about their agenda. It's about their program. What about God's program? Last time I checked, God, what God wants to do is a whole heck of a lot more important than what I want to do. Are we really seeking the kingdom of God first? I think that's something worth asking ourselves. 
And I'm not saying there's never a good time to leave a church or that you can't go to a school or take that job that is far away from your church home or that you can't cash out on the equity of your home and move out to the boonies somewhere where the price of an acre is just a, you know, the cost of a chicken or a goat. I'm not saying you can't do that, but I think that it's something we should take very, very seriously. I think we're far too quick to abandon the church families that God has placed us in for reasons that aren't as good as we think. And these days, sometimes it's about where we land on this issue or that issue that is somewhere secondary, tertiary, down the list to the issue, the one and only issue, Jesus Christ, that brings us together. Amen? One pastor wrote, too many students assume they should go away without considering the spiritual implication. My advice is, don't go away to college or university and away from a thriving church experience. He's saying, if you're in a church that's investing in others, it's investing in you, Think twice, maybe three times, maybe four times before you give that up. There are other jobs. There are other schools. There are other ways to go out and retire. Go for those things. Don't leave your church. This was a huge factor when I decided what school I was going to attend. At then in my senior year, I was lined up to attend La Sierra University. If you know anything about that university, that is the kind of shoe-in school for Loma Linda medical school where my dad actually graduated from. I wanted to go to that school, and so my goal was find out how to get to Loma Linda University, and La Sierra seemed to be the best way to do that, the most streamlined way. Those classes were going to get me where I needed to go. Those, those associations that I was going to make, the network of teachers and doctors that I would interact with there, that was going to happen, and so I was going to La Sierra University. When one day my parents decided to visit a church that, that we had not been to before, and I went there, and the pastor asked a question that made all the difference. He said, when you're lying there on your deathbed, your whole life is laid out there before you. What are you going to look back on as having truly mattered? And all at once I realized I had a very big problem. All I want at once, I realized my priorities were wrong. There's some people who go to medical school for the right reasons. I was not going for the right reasons. Like a flash of lightning, all at once, I knew that I needed to change plans. But what would those plans be? I realized that the number one priority in my life was, was, was not what God wanted. It was what I wanted. And all at once, that got flipped upside down, where at once I had prayed, God, please bless my plans. Please, please direct me. Please help me get into this school or that school. Help me get this scholarship. Help me meet the right people. Help me, help me, help me. And I never at once said, God, help me understand what you want for my life. What is it that you want for my life? And all of a sudden, I had a horrible crisis moment. Something needs to change here. Within a few months, I found myself becoming a member of a local church. 
I found myself taking a junior high intern position, which didn't make any sense. Working with kids? No, that's not me. I don't want to be around kids. I don't like kids. I have no patience for kids. I'm the oldest of eight kids. Keep them away from me. I practically raised a whole family already. They annoy me. They make me crazy. Lord, what is it that you want me to do? I ended up going to a local Christian university just a few miles away from my house, but I was a part of an awesome church that made all the difference. Because church was a valuable part of what God was doing in my life. It wasn't something that I could just give up and walk away from. It, it needed to be a priority. When you're committed to a church, you make it a priority. And it can have a tremendous impact on the direction and course of your life. Maybe even your eternal future. Number three, when you're committed to a church, you invest in it. Just like when you join a team, you pay for the uniform, you go to the practices, you put in the effort, you put in maybe the blood, the sweat, whatever it's going to take. I'm on that team, and I'm going to help that team win. You do what needs to be done to get the job done, right? You're on the team. People are counting on you. When you're committed to a church, you put in your time and your energy and your gifts and, yes, even your money because church matters, you invest in it. Listen to what 1 Peter 4 says. As each has received a gift, use it. Don't take those two little words for granted. Use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. God has given us wonderful things. He's gifted us in so many different ways. You look at your life and you start thanking God for everything that you can thank God for and you quickly realize that you're going to run out of paper here because God has blessed you in such incredible ways. He's, he's given his varied grace and we're all given different things, a whole variety of signs of God's grace. What do we do with it? Just enjoy it, just soak it up and go, oh, well, I'm sorry, you don't have the grace that I got. But, oh, this is just so... what? No! Use it to serve one another, First Peter says. If you're at a church, you should be pouring yourself into it, investing into it, faithfully using the good things that God has given you for the good of God's eternal people and eternal family. If church really is the body of Christ, then every single piece, every single part is important for the whole thing to function properly, right? You can chop off your hand, but guess what? You're going to miss that hand. Don't try it. You could lose a leg, but it's not going to take very long to start missing that leg and wishing you had it back. Every part makes the whole body function properly. And if you're committed to a church, then you're not just hanging out at church. Because to hang out would be just like a limb that is just there and of no use. You're not just there eating the food. You're not just listening to the messages. You're not just going to the events, thinking to yourself, oh, this is such a great place. This is so fun. I'm so glad I go to this church. No, you are asking yourself, what can I do? 
How can I be useful? How do I use what God has given me to help make things work here the way that God intends and has designed them to work? Look at Romans 12. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. There that is again. Let us use them. You have a part. And it is not dependent upon your age or stage or your resources, whatever you perceive them to be. If you are a part of God's people, then you are an important part of his church. What is it that he has for you? How has he uniquely gifted you to bless others and to build his people? If you're committed to a church, don't wait to be asked to use your gifts In fact, don't even wait to figure out what your gifts are. You see something that should be done, that needs to be done, then get out there and do it. Look for ways to use whatever it is, even if you just have breath in your lungs and a voice and hands. Use that. Use your time. Use your energy. Anything you have to serve the the body of Christ. Why? Because no other institution on earth matters as much as this matters. And no other institution will be as long-lasting, guaranteed. When you're committed to a church, you invest in it. What about you? Are you using your, what God has given you to build up and bless others in your church? Or are you using your words to build up others and point them to Jesus You say, well, you know, I'm not very knowledgeable. I I don't really know what to say. Well, prepare yourself to say the right things by spending time in God's word and in prayer with him daily so that you will be prepared to share things that God wants to be shared here among God's people. Are you using your time and energy? Are you using your money? Finally, When you're committed to church, you pour into the people. Church is a body. It's also a family. And I I, I don't know what your family is like or if you even still have a family, but families are made up of individuals who are supposed to be committed to one another. Every member of a family matters, and families are to care and love one another. We all know what uncommitment looks like, don't we? We all know what unfaithfulness looks like. Maybe you come from a broken home. Maybe you've had a a dad that left, a mom that left, a spouse that ran out on you. Maybe your children abandoned you. Maybe you come from a totally messed up family, but you need to realize that the way God designed family was for the people within that family to be committed to each other. Everyone in that family matters. Members care for each other. 
and they love one another. The church is a family. Yeah, so very often when people show up to church, they're not asking, who can I reach out to? Who needs me today? What are we typically thinking? We're thinking, what's in it for me? What are we going to eat today? Oh, I'm not sure I, I really like that. I, I think maybe I'll go somewhere else. Uh, is she going to sit there? Because if she sits there, I think I'm going to sit over here. You know, I, I, I just, I, you know, it, it's been my week. It's been my day. I didn't get enough sleep. I feel this way. If I, if I sit over there near her, I'm going to feel very, very awkward. Uh, so I, I think I'll sit over here. Or thinking, oh, who's the pastor that's preaching today? Oh, it's that guy? Well, you know, he's not really my jam. Uh, I think I'll. Uh, I think maybe I'll. I'll just uh, either stay home today. I'll phone it in, or and maybe I'll visit that other church down the street because I hear their pastor's. Yeah, he's really good to listen to. And that is so far from what being committed to a church is supposed to look like. Check out how the Bible says we're to pour into other people. We are to love one another. John 13, 34. Be devoted to one another. Romans 12, 5. We're to honor one another. Romans 12, 10. We're to rejoice with one another. Romans 12, 15. We're to serve one another. Galatians 5, 13. Carry one another's burdens. We are to forgive one another, to encourage one another, offer hospitality to one another, 1 Peter 4, 9. We're to confess our sins to one another, James 5, 16. How many times do we not confess sins to each other? Instead, we look for each other's sins, and then we say, ah, that guy, that guy needs to change over there, and I think I need to tell him how to do it. We need to pray for one another, James 5, 16. Just like Jesus, we're not a part of a church to be served we're here to serve. Even the Son of Man came not to be, not to be served, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so we're to be reaching out. We're to be caring for, looking for ways to serve one another rather than waiting for them to serve us. And so I show up to church or I show up to Sunday school, I show up to community group. And I'm thinking, how can I serve? Who needs to be ministered to by me today? I, I know I'm young or, or, or I know I'm old, but there are people here who need me. There must be people here who need me because God brought me here today and I'm God's representative. I'm one of his people. I'm his ambassador. How does he want to use me today? Are there needs that I can meet? Are there, is there someone that I don't know that just needs a friend? Or is there someone who just needs a shoulder to cry on here? Maybe they need a couple bucks to help them make ends meet. Maybe they need to just get lunch this afternoon. How can I love someone? How can I care for someone? How can I serve someone? When you get to church, you're there to pour into the people. People that matter. Why? Because they've been made intentionally in the image of the maker himself. And not only that, the precious blood of Jesus was poured out for them. And you and I have the opportunity to pour ourselves out 
as Christ poured himself out for us. We're talking to people who are alone, sitting near people that we don't know so that we can get to know them, asking people how they're doing and really wanting to know. <laughs> there was a, one time years ago when uh, a pastor, my pastor, came to me, Jared, how you doing? Actually, I've, I've had a really rough week. And you know what he said? Fine, fine. And he just walked on off, leaving me going, what just happened? This is my pastor. How often does that happen in the church? You gotta stop ignoring one another and st- start actually looking one another in the eye and actually caring about what's going on and being ready to offer support or care or maybe just stop and pray right then, right there. And this isn't supposed to be some sort of drag. We're to do it with joy. Check this out. This is, this is incredible. Paul writes this about some churches. And I'm going to read it to you in the New Living Translation. Not that we normally do that, but the New Living Translation uh, it gives it some punch and some relevance and makes it very, very easy for us to get what he's talking about here. He says this, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. So there are these churches out there in Macedonia, and there something really great is happening here. Let me tell you about them. These guys are awesome. They are being tested by many troubles. That doesn't sound too awesome. And they're very poor. Okay, Paul. So you're telling us about this. This is a fundraising thing. You're, you're going to pass the plate around. We're going to take a collection. We're going to come support them. Or maybe we're going to do a little mission strip. Maybe we're going to go do a service project over there and paint their building or something like that. Is that what's going on? They're being tested by many troubles. They are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. And so these churches in Macedonia, they are afflicted, they are oppressed, they are impoverished. They're going through a really, really hard time, and yet they're filled with overwhelming joy. And not only that, in their joy, they can't stop giving. It just keeps flowing out of them. Paul says, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And so they, they emptied their pockets, and they, and they went into their, their, their sofas, and they're searching in between the cushions, and they're pulling out loose change, and they're saying, Here, here's what I got. Will, will these help? What about, what about these canned goods that we have in the pantry? What, what, what about these shoes that I got here? And they're thinking of new and innovative ways that they can give, and they're doing it because they're so filled with joy. And they did it of their own free will. And they begged us again and again. Are these people crazy? Are they completely out of their minds? They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. Why did they give? Because Jesus Christ had done a work inside of them. 
He had done amazing things inside of them. He had filled them with a game-changing joy. He had forgiven them. He had given them an, an incorruptible inheritance. They knew they didn't have much here, but they knew they had a lot there. He breathed into them new life. He united them together as his people. The church had become so precious and so important to them. They said, we're given to this man. We're given. We're given it all. We want to join in. We want to make this a priority. We want to invest. We want to give. And they gave far beyond reason, far beyond any, any rationality would say to do so. Here were some churches who were going through the hardest time, and God is moving in them to be unbelievably generous for the sake of others. That's the uh, all-in, I'm committed kind of attitude that we are supposed to have. And it can't be stopped. It can't be stopped. It can't be stopped by, uh, I, don't, I don't have enough time this week. I don't have enough money. It, you know, I, I, I don't really get along with that person. They, they smell a little funny. They look a little funny. They talk a little funny. I'm going to get locked into a conversation that's never going to end in this lifetime. It can't be stopped. It can't be stopped by, you know, my church is, uh, you know, it's over here on Edward Street. And it's just, you know, people drive by and it's just a blip on the radar. And it's not very, you know, flashy. It's not very polished. It's not very cool can't be stopped. None of that mattered. They said church is important. There's nothing more important than the community of God's people. I'm committed to it. I'm all in. They can't be stopped from pouring themselves into others because the love of Jesus Christ has been poured into them. Does that define us, church? I pray that it will. Are we committed to the church? Have you come to the point where you believe that God has intentionally made you a part of the community of believers? He's made you part of this thing. And if so, then it's time to begin thinking of ourselves as the church and counting ourselves committed to it. Have we joined? Is this our place? Do people around here know that we belong? Have we taken that step and said, yes, I'm a member? Is it a priority for us? We're pushing other things back to second, to third, to fourth, to fifth. Where? It doesn't matter. Just push them back because this is the most important thing. Meeting with the people of God is the most important thing that I can do with my time. Are we investing in it? Saying, I, I come here. I'm blessed by what's happening here. And, I, and you know what? I'm looking for ways to bless others. I want to participate in this. I recognize that God even calls me to faithfully give. Not only in my time and talent, but also my treasure. And as I do, I, lo I loosen my grip on something that holds my heart. It gives me this false sense of security. You know what, Lord? I'm in your hands. Here you go. 
May your people be blessed. Are you pouring into the people here? This is where we make disciples. We're not here just to be discipled, to come and passively let other people pour into us. No, we're to actively participate in it, forming each other up as disciples. Are we actively looking for ways to pour into each other? Church matters, doesn't it? It matters. Are you committed to your church? Father, we, we are here today as your people. Those of us who have placed our trust in Jesus Christ, and we've been washed by his blood, we have been baptized by the Holy Spirit. We have been united together as your eternal people. And here we are, Bethany Bible Fellowship, this small piece of your larger church community, but a piece and a refuge for hope in this community and in our world. Lord, thank you for what you have done here in, in almost 50 years, Lord, you have done an incredible work and you have used people again and again and again to build each other up, to encourage one another, to care for one another. Even in times of great and horrible loss, Lord, you have used them to show Christ to one another. And Lord, as we look forward to the days ahead, we want more of that. We want to be your people still. And would you use us powerfully, Lord, beginning right here in this room with each other, but not limited to here, pouring out from this place, having an impact on families who are not a part of this good thing that is happening here, Lord, impacting our community, impacting our nation and our world. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your people. We pray these things in Jesus' name.